Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. I guess it's been about uh, two months since we first started talking about, seriously talking about chronic pain on this program. And uh, it was even before that that we spoke with physicians about their views of patients who complain of chronic pain and opioids. And you've heard all about the, um, the opioid emergency and the opioid crisis and it's a message that has been delivered over and over again by politicians and by medical authorities. And it is a message that is entirely flawed. It's a message that it is being spun. And it's a message that is creating victims. And the victims it's creating are chronic pain patients who are not complaining in the main. They're keeping quiet because they've been stigmatized for long periods of time. They're starting to speak out now because they have a bit of a venue and a bit of a forum and frankly, this program has created uh, some of that venue and some of that forum. And I'm glad we were able to do that because not what we're telling you is the truth. What we're sharing with you is, in fact, what's happening, not what's being spun. Now, many of you will remember I had a conversation with the Federal Minister of Health about chronic pain and chronic pain patients. And one day soon, we'll play that whole interview for you again. But I just want to play a little bit of the interview now to set things up as we're going forward with my guests this hour. I want you to listen to the very, very beginning of that interview with the Federal Minister of Health, Dr. Jane Philpott. Dr. Philpott, why is all the talk from governments about painkillers instead of pain? You do know that people who take painkillers, uh, people who take opioids, do it just to make life tolerable. Well, I think that's a fantastic point, and uh, I think you're absolutely right that uh, uh, it's a fair point that the conversation needs to be around the pain and recognizing that when people do take uh, substances that uh, are used for controlling pain, it's because they have pain, sometimes uh, physical, sometimes psychological, but uh, the pain is uh, certainly should be a central theme to this conversation. So then why is all the talk about the painkillers instead of the pain? Well, I, you know, I think it depends who you talk to. I, I, I think this is a, an issue that has a whole range of perspectives on it and, and views, and I certainly uh, try to encourage people to uh, not oversimplify it and not, uh, not see that uh, there's any one single story to uh, the issue of the fact that uh, we have uh, an overdose uh, epidemic in this country. But uh, you're absolutely right that part of the conversation has to be around the fact that uh, people uh, have pain and that they, if, if they do, that they deserve to get care for that pain. Fantastic question, the minister said, and I asked. Fantastic question. Well, there's, there's spin right there. And I did say to the minister a little later on, you haven't answered any of my questions yet, and she hadn't. And there is spin. And there's not a, not a whole lot of different scenarios. And what you're receiving as far as statistics are concerned are statistics that generally do 
um, reflect what's happening with uh, generic drug addicts using opioids and not chronic pain patients who use opioid medications simply to keep their pain under control and give them some quality of life. Here's an email that I received uh, earlier this week. We just lost another intractable nerve pain member of our support group two nights ago. She was just 30 years old and committed suicide because her medications were taken away for interstitial cystitis, a horribly painful bladder condition, and pudendal neuralgia, both of which she had battled for years. The nerve pain is equivalent to end-stage cancer pain, but the CDC and the doctors in Colorado were merciless. She just couldn't hang on any longer without hope. All right, that's from the United States. It's happening there. It's happening here. 30 years of old, 30 years of age, committing suicide. From the 2017 Canadian Guideline for Opioids for Chronic Non-Cancer Pain, comprised by the National Pain Center, this is the kind of thing that bothers me. I've heard this particular statistic that I'm going to give you right now, repeat it again and again and again and again and again in media, and no one asks the most obvious question, excuse me, but I did, of the editor, of the guide, and he acknowledged that. So here's the information. Listen to this. In Ontario, annual admissions to publicly funded treatment programs for opioid-related problems doubled between 2004 and 2013 from 8,799 to 18,232. All right? 2004 and 2013, the numbers were 8,799 and 18,232 in Ontario, uh, annual admissions to publicly funded treatment programs for opioid-related problems. The question that needs to be asked is this. How many of these people were chronic pain patients and how many were generic drug addicts? And when I asked when I asked the editor the question, he said, well, we don't know. We don't know. My guess is the number of uh, generic drug addicts hugely outnumbers the, uh, the chronic pain patients. I want to read you one more thing and then I'll introduce you to my guests. I'm hearing from doctors. Oh, we spoke with Dr. Mary Redmond, pain uh, specialist in Ottawa, 1,200 pain patients a couple of weeks ago. Well, here's an email that I received, just a line from an email that I received from an emergency room doctor. And uh, he writes about patients. One was 54 years old with failed back, surgery that initially worked, but then the pain returned, on a stable dose of Oxyneo for 12 years, their GP then advises them that the clinic owners have decided that the physicians must stop prescribing narcotics. You got it? The clinic owners have decided the physicians must stop prescribing narcotics. There was no attempt to wean slowly or suggest alternatives. The GP called them a drug addict. All right. The GP called the 54-year-old patient with a failed back a drug addict and cast them out on their own. They came to the methadone clinic after three difficult months. They're on a stable dose of methadone, but not before severe depression and almost losing their job. 75-year-old patient on Oxyneo at a stable dose for 17 years for severe osteoarthritis, told by their GP that they were afraid the college may, um, afraid of the college, and they would no longer prescribe the patient's narcotics. No attempt to wean or give meds to help with the withdrawal. That's the reality. Here's more of the reality. Dawn Ray Downton has been a guest on this program over the last several weeks. She's a chronic pain sufferer. 
She is also a journalist, and she's written op-ed pieces on this issue in the Globe and Mail and in the Ottawa Citizen. There'll be more to come. And last weekend, Dawn Ray was on the air with her husband, Bob, and it was very difficult, very painful to hear her speak about her suicide plan being in place with her husband on the line and the two of them talking about it. Imagine living in that relationship, somebody you love, somebody you care about more than anything else in the world, and they're reliant on fentanyl that they've had for 12 years. And then uh, there's a, no, we'll let Don Ray fill, fill, fill the rest of the, of, the, of the conversation in. So, Don Ray, let me first of all say hello and thank you for coming back. I also want to introduce you again to Catherine. She was the first chronic pain patient we spoke to. She's 42 years of age. She's a successful businesswoman, and uh, she requires um, opioids. And her situation was that a doctor she's never seen, never spoken to, who has, I guess, a God complex somewhere in this country, instructed her family doctor, who actually sees Catherine, to take her off breakthrough drugs and that breakthroughs are when when your when your opioid is 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 not doing the job uh, so you you get a little extra of a few milligrams to just boost the effect up a bit and that doctor Catherine you never saw never spoke with never examined you took those away from you right that's right thank you for coming back thanks for having me Roy also with us Marvin Ross who writes on health issues and for the Huff Post he's uh, tremendous columnist. And uh, Marvin has taken on the issue of and for chronic pain patients, and you can find his columns on HuffPostCanada.com. And Marvin, thank you for coming back. And Marvin, in two or three sentences, what is the problem about? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words and having me back. Um, The problem is, I think, hysteria on the part of governments who have no clue how to deal with people who are overdosing on street drugs. So they therefore take it out on the easiest target they can find, and that's on legitimate pain patients who aren't taking illegal drugs, but they're taking drugs that their doctors have prescribed for them, which are legally available to be prescribed by doctors because they've been approved by Health Canada. And in one of your columns, the headline was, Ontario declares war on pain patients. That's also on HuffPost Canada. We're going to come back. We'll talk to Catherine, we'll talk to Don Ray, and we'll talk more with, more with Marvin before the end of the hour. We'll have an American uh, chronic pain activist joining us as well. I want to say this. The numbers of chronic pain patients, and we might as well call it what it is, agony pain patients, Um, are high, 20%, maybe higher in Canada. There's a study in the United States that suggests over 100 million people in the U.S. are living with chronic, massive pain. I think a lot of it has to do with money. They're expensive in those numbers, and they're trying to cut costs. And at the other end of that that seesaw is the chronic pain patient. And when I read that email about the 30-year-old woman committing suicide because they took her meds away, well, I, I was absolutely, I, I, I can't even tell you how I felt. I can't. Angry was, was for probably the first emotion. We'll come right back. You listen to green. green. You might turn red. red. 
This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You can listen to my interview with a federal health minister. Just go to my uh, show page on any of the chorus radio stations that carry this program, the station you're listening to. Just go to their website, go to my show page, and you'll find uh, all the programs that we've aired, including the interview with the uh, federal minister of health, Dr. Jane Philpott. Um, Don Ray, what happened to you this week? What's going on in your life? What's changed? Well, I had kind of a, a, a shock, a shock on Friday. Um, I have an appointment coming up at my pain clinic on uh, Friday, the 14th of July, and it's beginning to feel like um, it's more the 13th, uh, Friday the 13th, uh, that that's what it's going to turn into. I've been very anxious about it. I called the pain clinic on Friday knowing that I would get uh, a voicemail greeting, but I was surprised to find that the voicemail greeting was changed. Um, it used to be that there was a really wonderful receptionist there, and she just had a really great voicemail. She told me that she practiced it over and over just to make sure that she got every detail in that anyone could ever need to know. That was gone. She was gone. And there was a new message that gave no useful information whatsoever, but it did say something that kind of that I found staggering. It said, if you are a previous patient of Dr. Bond, please note that we have received an overwhelming number of referrals and wait times will be communicated to your referring or family doctor once they have been triaged. And then she goes on to say at the end something that I found completely ironic. She ended by saying, have a safe day. Let me explain why this uh, startled me in the way that it did. There are very few pain clinics in the Maritimes. I live in Halifax, and there are two pain clinics in the, in the metro area. Uh, the one that I go to happens to be um, across the water, across the harbor in, in Dartmouth at the Dartmouth General Hospital. Three years ago, it had, two, two or three years ago, it had three pain physicians working. When one of them retired, they didn't replace him. So the clinic then um, took its patient load and divided it between the two remaining physicians, one of whom is my pain physician. In another place in Dartmouth, there was a small private practice, actually not that small, but a private practice uh, run by Dr. Bond, who is referred to in the, in the new voicemail greeting that I got at the Dartmouth General. Dr. Bond has just closed his practice, and I'd already heard the rumor that everybody in his practice was going to be referred to my pain clinic at the Dartmouth General. And so that is the point of the, the voicemail message where the person who doesn't identify herself now says, if you are a previous patient of Dr. Bond, please note that we have received an overwhelming number of referrals and wait times will be communicated to your referring or family doctor once they have been triaged. My, my point is this, that the clinic is already overburdened because three doctors' patients have now been imposed on two doctors, and my own doctor appears to be getting ready to retire he hasn't said this to me, but he suggested it in enough ways that I think that he will be retired by the end of the summer. They didn't replace the last guy who retired. Will they replace my doctor, or will we just have the one physician left? For all of, for the, all of the pain clinic's patients now, plus the, pain, uh, the Dr. Bond's patients coming in, if, if we do have just one pa uh, physician left, we're all sunk, because she's a newly minted type, and she likes to say 
that she never uses opioids. There are plenty of patients at the clinic right now who rely on opioids. I'm one of them. When my guy goes, I've already been worried about what my future holds. Now I find that an entire practice, Dr. Bond's patients, have been transferred more or less into the ether. They have had overwhelming numbers of referrals, and the wait times will be um, will be overwhelming as well. So I'm just wondering what's going to happen to Dr. Bond's patients right. who and appear you... to be just hanging in the ether, and what will happen to me if they do get uh, uh, merged, if they, if they become merged with, the, with my clinic. Uh, it just gets worse all the time. There's just not enough yeah. pain management here. And, and you have a doctor potentially who, who takes great pride in saying she's never prescribed opioids. Yes, Kath- she's, she's working now at the clinic. Catherine, what's, uh, what's the most recent development with you? Um, oh, boy. I, well, I think I told you last week or a couple weeks ago that uh, I just found out that I'm emergency on the liver transplant list. Right. Um, so that just happened. Um, and so I've been following up with, with my family doctor as far as reduced um, breakthrough meds and whatnot, and that has had no change. Are they giving you, are they giving the opioids you need, the pain meds you need? They're giving me the, um, the content, so the, the long release, mm-hmm. or the, yeah. So I, I do have those which have been reduced substantially. Um, and the breakthroughs so, have been taken away. That's correct, yeah. So how are you doing? Not well. I, I went to the marijuana clinic this week, or this week and got flat out denied. They, they said absolutely not. And they're, they're treating me like a, a drug a street user. And um, it, it's just horrible. So and you're the I, one you're the one in tremendous pain yeah. who's on an organ transplant list. That's right. And you ask for pain relieving medication that right. you were prescribed before. And now they're treating you like a drug addict. Yeah. Not like a medical patient, but like a drug addict. Hold on, Catherine. Okay. I, I have to take a break here for the bottom of the hour. We'll come yeah. back. We'll talk more with Catherine. Don Ray and Marvin Ross is going to um, be in this as well because Marvin just wrote a new column in the Huffington Post, Top Post Canada. And what he's doing is taking British Columbia to task because B.C. is the province where they've maxed out the opioids that can be prescribed to 50 milligrams a day. And for somebody who's in tremendous pain, that 50 milligrams doesn't even begin to cover what they need. Don't go away. Roy Green isn't afraid to poke the bear. The bigger the bear, the bigger the poke. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Here's a tweet um, from Victoria59. No, that's not the one. Here's uh, at Rob Meikle. Um, It hurts my heart to know people need to kill themselves because our civilized society that has the means won't help with pain. That's exactly, exactly what it is, Rob. Here's an uh, an email from Bob to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. The liberal socialists don't care about the people. They care about the vote. There we have places for addicts to go and get safe needles for their heroin, cocaine, drug of choice. 
but we can't care about people suffering from pain. Bob, not only that, the federal minister of health who provided us with no answers, really, kept thinking, kept saying my questions were fantastic, but didn't provide answers. The federal minister of health is talking about the uh, value, I can't get this mouse to work as it's supposed to, talking about the value of providing um, heroin, the heroin for generic drug addicts. We're back with Don Ray Downton, with Catherine, with Marvin Ross, who writes on health and uh, most recently has been writing on this opioid issue for HuffPost. Just go to HuffPost Canada and read Marvin's columns. Marvin, you've listened to Catherine, you listened to Don Ray, you know about the 30-year-old woman who's committed suicide, you know about others who've committed suicide, and you've written about most recently in HuffPost about what British Columbia is doing and how they may be, in fact, in violation of the uh, the right we have to uh, pain relief. Please speak to that. Well, it's not just B.C. The uh, I have to admit the headline for my latest uh, column wasn't the best. Um, the international agreements, well, the World Health Organization stipulates that uh, everybody's human right is to be pain-free. Um, and it's uh, cruel and inhuman and degrading, they say, not to allow someone uh, to be relieved of their pain when we have the resources that can do that, as we do with the opioid drugs. And I think people have to realize that chronic pain patients are not taking illegal drugs they're taking drugs that are prescribed to them by doctors, and those drugs are approved for use by Health Canada uh, in Canada, the FDA in the U.S., and by a similar body in Europe, because the drug has been shown to actually do what it's supposed to do, that is to relieve pain with minimal side effects. And when a doctor is confronted with a patient in pain, they don't start them on the maximum dose of opioids. They start them on the least um, invasive strategy possible, and they work their way up. And when nothing works, they go to the opioid drugs. And then, again, they start at the bottom and they titrate up. So those people who are on large doses of opioids are on them because they've been working with a physician and it's been determined determined through trial and error that that dose is the most effective at the least possible dose. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what the government is doing is interfering with that patient-doctor relationship and imposing upon doctors what they can and cannot do. Well, I just read um, an email from a from an emergency department doctor who wrote about a 54-year-old patient who was denied his opioids because the owners of the clinic ordered the physicians to stop prescribing opioids. Yeah. It wasn't doctors who told them not to. It was the owners of the clinic. Well, and the, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, uh, the regulatory body, because presumably of pressure from the government, yeah. 
are uh, forcing doctors to be not to prescribe or to be very cautious. Let me play something for you. and Let me just play you 20 seconds from a conversation with Dr. Mary Redmond. She's the pain physician, pain specialist in Ottawa who's on the program. She has 1,200 pain patients, and she was talking about how some doctors are giving up on treating pain patients. Listen. But I'm seeing colleagues right now with this business with our college here. There are colleagues who are being forced to stop practice or who are forcing, choosing to stop practicing pain medication management because of the, the, the drawn-out battle with the college. And these patients are going to be left high and dry. There will be nobody to look after them. It's, it's, it's just it's very, very sad mess. And she also said, Don Ray, that uh, her patients ask her, what would you do if you die? And she said, I don't know. I don't yeah, um, know. This is the problem for me. Uh, I, I lost my GP, or rather, she lost me. Uh, she, uh, just after Christmas, told me that she could no longer uh, prescribe uh, fentanyl for me. I had been on fentanyl, I have been on fentanyl for 12 years. Um, I had a relationship with my doctor for 25 years. And that was destroyed when the college told her that she could no longer prescribe for me. Luckily, I was able to, to go to my pain clinic, um, who had been supervising my GP in writing those prescriptions and advising her at what dose to write for me and so on. I was able to go to that pain clinic, but now my pain doctor at the pain clinic seems to be retiring, and at the same time, the pain clinic seems to be ready or not ready to take in a, an infusion of patients from a, another practice mm -hmm. whose doctor is retiring. So I really worry. I really, really worry. And I have known that this is coming for some time, and I've thought, what can I do? And I realize that there may well come a day when I can do nothing, and I'm not willing to return to the level of extreme pain that I had before I started on opioids. There's no point in living with that pain. And, and so I have a suicide plan, and we'll have to use it if it comes to that. You're putting, you're putting the governments and the doctors and the colleges on notice that if they take away the only relief you have from pain, that you will take your life. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing is about that. Um, I had hoped to sort of go out with a flash in style if I had to go. And um, so I had, I, I, my husband knows to take my note and to show it broadly to media. But something that we've just run into recently is the fact that media down here, at least, have a tacit agreement with police and the coroner's office and who knows who not to report on suicides. So it's almost like my death will be as, in, as invisible as I have been as a chronic pain patient. I have been invisible. That's the problem with all chronic pain patients. They're invisible to government. God, government doesn't care that it's causing us harm because it doesn't reflect badly on them because we are invisible. Yeah, I and, just and heard... Even if, even if my, my suicide is noted, it will be noted as an opioid overdose. Not that it will be an opioid overdose, but it will be noted as somebody who was on fentanyl. All right. And so I will just become part of the story. So they'll use, they'll use you as part of their story. I heard Catherine gasp as you were talking. Yes. Catherine? Yes. Well, I, I just kind of believe that, you know, Dawn's being pushed to this point, and I was, I was just thinking about myself. You know, mine goes beyond the pain uh, in that I suffer from a condition due to the the liver failure called ascites, and so my belly fills up with with liquid, and I um I can't eat. I'm down to probably a hundred pounds, 
and I'm thinking to myself, maybe I'm not going to die from this liver failure. Maybe I'll die from malnourishment because if I just had, you know, drugs, I could actually eat a meal, you know, but I'm constantly throwing up. It's, it's just, and so I was just thinking about Don's situation and, you know, they're putting us through torture. <laughs> the fact that Don even has to think about suicide, I mean, it hasn't come that far for me, but I, I feel like I'm just going to fade away to nothing. This is, so, this is so awful to hear. It is so unnecessary. Uh, it, it can be resolved very quickly by just continuing to provide you the relief that, that, that you have been prescribed. Provide, provided by prescription, and, and as uh, as uh, uh, Marvin says, Marvin, these are prescription drugs. These are legal. These are legal drugs. Yeah, it's legal exactly. medication. Yeah, I have a letter from the top specialist in my province, pain specialist, saying, "Do not change her opioid dose. Do not change that. We've got her stable. She's eating everything, and then." You know, two or three months ago, this you know doctor from Toronto just popped into my life. I uh, I I have to I have to end it here today, but we're going to be back at this next week, and we'll have a doctor, a very prominent physician, joining us from British Columbia, and he's going to speak to to this issue, and and I'll I'll invite you both to come back. Yeah, uh, and Marvin too. Uh, Marvin, thank you for the time. Uh, if it weren't for you, and I guess for me. Um, maybe the stories wouldn't be told. Yeah, and they have to be told. They do have to be told. Don Ray, uh, I, I, I wanted I, to say to I wanted to say to Catherine, Catherine, you're in you're in my thoughts. You have been for many weeks, and I I hope that you're okay. Yes, as okay you as you can. Be. Don Ray. Yeah. Okay. Thank okay. you, thank you. Um, Thanks, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk to Richard Lawhorn, Ph.D. He's an activist for chronic pain patients in the United States. His wife and his daughter suffer from chronic pain. He has a lot to say about this because, again, the 30-year-old woman about whom I wrote the, uh, read the email at the start of the hour, she's an American, and it was an email that went to, uh, to Richard, my guest, in a minute, um, that I read. Stay with us. <laughs> 